Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My name's Roger Christie, founder of digital reputation advisory firm, Propel. Today we're asking, how can leaders remain visible in a hybrid work world? Back in early 2020, I was researching the different ways governments around the world were equipping their staff, public servants, with the digital skills they would need to continue delivering services of value into the future. The Government of Canada's Digital Academy jumped out as one of the more progressive, collaborative and transparent approaches I could see. Of course, you know, no one could predict what was about to hit, but even before the COVID wave swept across the globe, shifting our old ways of working for good, the Government of Canada had seen the importance of digital. It had invested in upskilling staff and they were well positioned to reap the rewards. Now, someone I came across in my research back then was Amanda Bernardo. In those days, she managed that digital academy, and I could see from her posts on LinkedIn and and Twitter and elsewhere that she really was at the front line of transformational change within the public service. A couple of years on, Amanda now leads a team overseeing organisational change management and enterprise transformation within the Government of Canada. She's walked the talk, she's led by example, experienced the benefits and counselled other leaders on how they too can harness their digital presence in our hybrid work world. And when I look back, her pioneering efforts over many years online are really the sole reason she was visible to me, why we connected and how she's ended up here on the Your Digital Reputation podcast today. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And and particularly from so far away, it feels like we're sitting next to one another. I know we're not, and I'm really grateful (laughs) that we've got some Canadian (laughs) representation on the show. So thank you again. Now, this is a really challenging idea for a lot of people at the moment because the world has shifted so much in the past couple of years. In your view, is it easier or is it harder for leaders to be visible in a hybrid working environment? Yeah, that's a great question to start off with. And I think, you know, looking back at how digital uh, leadership has grown within the federal public service, I remember years ago, it wasn't as heard of as it is today, Uh, but we were pioneering and we were encouraging leadership to get online and to have conversations and to create those new channels to connect with their employees and public servants across the federal public service, you know, it wasn't just about connecting with Canadians, but connecting with the Canadians who were working with the government of Canada to make a difference from coast to coast to coast. Nowadays, I would say, given that we are virtual and we are working in this hybrid environment, people are looking more to these virtual channels. So in that sense, it may be easier. The audience is there where you're trying to find them. Uh, Years prior, maybe you were competing a bit with different online channels versus in-person channels. So they definitely have been pros and cons to both or, you know, things have been easier and harder. But I would say it, it should be easier now, given that people are online and looking for these conversations. It'll be harder if you're not accustomed to how to have these conversations and where to create that presence for yourself. I think that's a really good point to make right up front. It will be harder if you're not prepared. And and I do think if we look back to the start of COVID, 
it was very obvious to tell those leaders and those organizations that felt comfortable in this space. And all of a sudden, you know, the physical world is shut off and suddenly people are much more reliant on these channels to not only get a message out, but also to hear things, to keep up to speed with things and and learn the needs of stakeholders. And it was very easy to see the haves and the have-nots almost, those that were ready to go and, and could hit the ground running and those that were going, oh goodness, what do I do? So that divide back then is almost similar to the divide we're seeing now. And if you are in a position of um, preparedness and, and confidence and comfort, you're you're in a good spot. There is an opportunity here, as you're saying, to do things more easily online. But But can I maybe pick into that a little bit and say, at the same time, this hybrid work world if I'm right, it's very different to any other time in history. We haven't had a scenario where leaders have had an expectation to be so active online at the same time as in particular, you know, their workforces are expecting them to be more active offline because they've had that detachment for so long. So, you know, how can we balance the two, I suppose? How can leaders maintain the digital presence that they may have built through those COVID years and lockdown years while at the same time starting to re-engage their workforces and stakeholders in the physical environment. Is that a challenge? I definitely think it it is a challenge and it will be a challenge for for many leaders. I think when we think about the virtual world, you know, in any any format or any context, you know, content creation is hard. Um, And planning, you know, a stakeholder uh, engagement, whether it be online or in person, is is also hard. Um, But I think it'll be hard to understand what value each of those uh, different platforms can offer. And I think that's a lot of the conversation we're seeing right now. What is the value that in-person can provide that a hybrid world uh, world cannot. Um, and when we talk about return to work, we see that quite a lot in conversations is that public servants have been working and have been doing a phenomenal job over the last two and a half years to keep the lights on and the programs running and the services being offered to Canadians uninterrupted. Um, So when we talk then about creating this in-person remote world where now you're asked to partially work at home and partially work in the office, what is the value of each? And when we translate that back to leadership and having that online presence versus the connections they make in person, I think the number one thing that I hear uh, from most people, and it seems to be kind of the driver of some of these return to work conversations is connection. And so there's a certain connection you can have virtually. And sometimes that connection um, whether or not it's genuine is is up to how you manage your online presence. And what I mean by that is sometimes digital channels are just used for leadership as another mechanism to share, in our case, bureaucratic corporate messaging. Um, in other cases, you can have real genuine conversations. You know, you can have, uh, in my case, people, you know, slide into my direct messages and ask for mentoring or conversations. And that's where I try to be a leader and really have that genuine talk back. I also manage all my own accounts. I should say that. Um, But as you get, you know, higher in some of these rankings, that's not always the case. So really understanding what genuine connection you can have online is important. Uh, But then when we come to the other connection piece of in-person, it's sometimes feel, although hybrid and virtual has torn down a lot of walls, and we especially hear this with our regional folks, that they can now connect with national office in ways they never had before. It's a huge win. But at the same time, we're also seeing a little bit of disconnect in that 
I can't walk down the hall and run into an assistant deputy minister anymore or run into a colleague in a different area of work or perhaps talk to my president in the elevator. Those opportunities are are not really there anymore. And so in the virtual world, you as a leader have to be more intentional with how you connect with your employees. You know, what we're seeing is things like town halls and things like that being done through MS Teams or other virtual platforms. But how can you really get at the heart of some of these conversations that may not may or may not happen in the virtual world that came more naturally perhaps in person. And so I think that's going to be a bit of the the tug of war leaders are going to have to play with is how can I ensure that I'm having the right conversations using the right tools available to me or the right context whether it be online or in person. Some, yeah, some really good points you're raising there. And, and I like what you were just saying around um, even just a couple of those benefits. Yes, there are challenges there, but that idea of connection and conversation that comes and, and ideally comes at scale uh, through the digital world and, and the opportunities that brings. From your perspective, when you're talking to others maybe and, and or even sharing your own experiences, can you pinpoint what some of those benefits are of, of having your own social media presence and the visibility that brings? What does that offer to leaders? Oh, for sure. There's a ton of benefits. Um, you know, a lot of times people, when I hire them, um, a joke that I often get is, you know, I know you from Twitter or I know you from LinkedIn. Um, and what organizations need to realize is that the digital presence that your leaders and even your employees, don't forget that even employees can be leaders in their own right for organizations, but they can serve as your ambassadors online. And I think in today's day and age, especially where we see this war on talent That is huge. And so, you know, people can want to work for an organization because of their mandate or because of the projects that they may have to offer. But at the end of the day, I think what we're seeing with a lot of new hires right now is that people want to work for the right kind of leadership. And how do they assess that? Well, they're looking at their digital footprint, you know, that trail that's been left behind over the years. You can have an interview and maybe say all the right things, but you can't hide necessarily from what you may have put online. And in some cases that can, you know, regrettably be a negative hit to an organization. Um, In other instances, when it's done right, it can serve as a massive recruitment tool. So having that online presence helps, you know, organizations establish these ambassadors, helps to highlight even some of the things that you're working on. In the context of the federal public service, you know, I always joke when I was little, I never said, you know, I'm going to grow up and be a policy analyst. I don't really think I knew knew what that was back then. Um, And in that respect, the federal government is a little bit foreign sometimes to people who may be interested but don't really know what type of jobs that that can entail. Um, But when you look at social media and you look at some of these leaders, you start to have this open by default conversation of what people are working on, what motivates them, the different opportunities, whether it be experiential through job development or through training that these organizations have to offer. That in itself is a huge, huge benefit, and I think it will serve to help recruit people who are looking to work for organizations where leaders do make a difference and that they can join a team and feel comfortable with the direction that their organization is going in, knowing that they have a great leader at the helm. Um, So I I think that's a a really key benefit in my eye. Yeah, that's really nice. And if I can the way I'm interpreting that, I suppose, or the way that I summarize that is you've got to have awareness to then 
drive that kind of literacy or capability building element of it. But that then has to be complemented by, and, and you, you, whether you use this word or not, what, what comes to mind is intentionality. So, so being intentional, that intentionality is key to, as you say, avoid risk. So if people are looking, if people are monitoring these things, and, and we've talked about this previously on the podcast, the idea if you don't think people are stalking your LinkedIn profile as a leader, I don't know where you are because it, it, it is happening whether you, whether you want to or not. And even if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, this is the thing. Avoiding the environment doesn't make it go away. People are using other sources of online information to make decisions about you. So we know that is happening. And that's where intentionality is key because those little, you know, the digital footprints and breadcrumbs that you described just there, those little moments when used properly and when you have intentional choice behind them, they're incredibly powerful. Those little micro moments that might even be a five-word comment or reply to a colleague or to an industry partner or something like that, those five words speak volumes and that's often more powerful than, as you were saying, that scripted interview. So if people, if, if leaders, I suppose, can build that comfort and that familiarity with how to use these channels, as you said, that's a talent magnet. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I'll give you two examples that just happened to me today. Um, you know, I, I tend to live by an open door policy. And so I get a lot of direct messages sometimes about people wanting some mentorship or advice about how to join the federal public service. So, you know, I'm doing my part as a leader to try to recruit people into the government of Canada by answering these questions. And so today I had an informal coffee chat via Teams. Um, I also saw someone tag me in a post about their French development training that they were working through and referencing a book that I had used during my own training. Um, and, you know, I sent her a message on, on LinkedIn and said, you know, good luck, congratulations, let's talk if you want to have a coffee. She was like, wow, I didn't even think you were going to reply to my message. And so to have those moments where people are really engaging people, I'm always posting things on LinkedIn and I never know whether it'll be well received or not, but part of being a leader is owning kind of your own voice and being authentic in how you portray yourself online. Obviously, we do have a code of value and ethics we also have to respect. So there's that that goes into my posts as well. Um, but I had posted something about a month ago about return to work, and it was about my own experience. And, you know, I work on this file. It's something that I'm very close to. Um, and yes, I'm promoting it and promoting hybrid work. But at the same time, I also ran into issues, and that would have been my 45-minute commute back into the office, even though I'm promoting, you know, in-person options now. And I had flagged that on my LinkedIn saying, you know, here was my experience. And the next morning, I, I signed into my tablet, and my one of the leaders in my organization had sent a note, and I just quickly read the first line, and it said, I saw your LinkedIn post. And my heart dropped because I was like, oh, no, am I in trouble? Yes, no, is this a good sign? And to know that he had seen that post and then reached out to me and it was really appreciate you sharing your thoughts, like would love to talk more. We had a great MS Teams talk that followed after the fact and a follow-up to say, you know, post-vacation, let's, you know, have a, a coffee. And to know that my leader took the time to have that conversation made a difference to me. Um, and that's why when I do it to others, I know it'll have a difference in their lives as well, because you're having this genuine conversation that can stem from something that has been posted online, which is really fantastic. And that to me is another great benefit of really, um, how do I put it, of really magnifying the networking that can happen virtually. And this goes beyond just to follow. This goes to true conversation, which is really, I think, well, what the goal was when social media was created uh, at the end of the day. That's a really powerful example. And I just love that it is 
like what's sitting at the core isn't some kind of long-winded, well thought through broadcast piece. This this is an example of a leader almost validating someone's thoughts. And even if, you know, with that specific example you give, even if your leader had come back and challenged some of the things you'd said, even disagreed with them, the point is they're listening, they're interested. They're engaging with you online and and they're taking the time to follow up and understand the views of their workforce. And I think that is such an undervalued, but such an important part of digital participation for leaders. You know, not just the broadcast, not just the talking, but the listening. And one of the other things I'm thinking though, Amanda, and, and is that I suppose as you say, you have this open digital door policy, which I love by the way. One thing I hear a lot from different leaders is this challenge around managing the volume, you know, the speed and the frequency of online engagement with stakeholders, particularly in line with their existing workloads. So the, the time that it takes to do what you're describing well. How do you maintain your open digital door policy and, and how do you manage your time participating online? You know, there's not an art to it. Um, I think for me, it's part of my morning routine. I tend to wake up, I look at my channels, I try to scan to see what conversations are happening online um, and interact with those conversations. It's not just about, you know, reviewing posts of people who are replying to me, but also looking at what people are posting within my network to be able to be part of their conversations or even to amplify their voices. Um, So that's part of my morning routine. Obviously, depending on where you're at, it can be overwhelming and it can be difficult. Um, This is where you can use, you know, use your team and and see if there's, you know, a comm shop that may be able to assist you um, and maybe point out certain things that are happening in your feed. Um, I always say prioritize your direct messages. For me, if I'm you know, interacting with someone in a direct message, I hope I'm reaching that exact person. Um, Versus sometimes with, you know, certain leadership, they may have their feed managed by a communication shop, which is totally fair. They use that as an opportunity to further messaging. And typically those messages do get reviewed and approved by the owner of the account regardless. Um, But yeah, it shouldn't feel difficult. And if it starts to feel difficult, definitely reach out to resources within your organization to help you. But finding the time to even respond here or there, or even just say, I read your message, I'll get back to you and, you know, add it to your to-do list. Um, that's another way that you can try to manage your accounts. But I think at the end of the day, what people are looking for is the person. And if that's going to take, you know, a week or two for you to get back to that person, I think they'd rather that than get some type of generic auto reply or someone responding who isn't necessary yourself. I think that's fair. And, and people understand that leaders are trying to squeeze all these different responsibilities in. And look, if they're getting upset because their tweet or their private message wasn't responded to within the hour, I think they're failing to respect the shopping list of other responsibilities and activities leaders have on their place. You know, there's a lot going on in and around workplaces at the moment, and this is absolutely an added responsibility for modern leaders. But I think the crucial point I'd make on this It doesn't need to be extra work. It can actually be a far more effective way to communicate with a much larger group of stakeholders versus that one-to-one engagement to do the same things you've always done and communicate the same messages in a far more effective way that actually saves you time. There's a time and a place for each type of engagement, of course, and there'll always be conversations that are better had offline. 
But the point is that there are plenty of opportunities for leaders to use their digital activities as a way to create capacity for themselves by reaching the right audiences or larger audiences in real time, or by sharing a message that lives in the accessible, searchable world of social media that means you know they don't have to tell the same story a thousand times. Save that time. Let the social media algorithms do the work for you. And I think the other point I'd make on this, Amanda, is that you know what we're talking about here, particularly for those really senior leaders or perhaps those who don't naturally gravitate to online engagement, you don't have to do it all. This is where your communications teams and advisors should absolutely be helping share the load and saving you time. Now, whether that's by listening to comments and, and sharing the key ones with leaders for response uh, so they can you know, save their time doing that, or even just highlighting key posts from the community in amongst the noise so that they can engage with those efficiently, particularly as organizations start to realize just how effective leaders' own social media profiles are for communications and engagement, you know, so much so that I think they're becoming official channels in a way, leaders should have the same resources they would for other official channels like speaking engagements, media and the like. And I think you know, perhaps that's a relevant question to ask too, Amanda. In your experience and from what you've seen over the years, are leaders now seeing and, and treating their own individual social media profiles as official channels and, and perhaps therefore resourcing them like they would other official channels or are most still just dipping their toes in the water? That's a great question. Um, I think for most leaders, depending on where you are in the federal public service, these seem to be managed as official channels for communication. And I do tend to see many of these managed by communication shops, especially at the deputy minister or president level, depending on what the organization um, is. That said, I do see other leaders, you know, assistant deputy ministers or even managers and directors who are definitely managing their own channels um, and using this as an opportunity to share the work that they're doing, to network across the federal public service, and even to recruit, as I had mentioned. I think what I would like to see is more of those channels being used for less corporate messaging and just to see some genuine human side of leaders. I think sometimes we may get caught up in using some of these online platforms as another means to share corporate messaging. But at the end of the day, while that may be scattered throughout some of the content for the week, I think you know employees and even myself looking up to other leaders we're looking to see that human side of their of their life, of their leadership style. So, you know, it's nice to see people talk about things outside necessarily, you know, whatever corporate thing is happening. And, and I get this often a lot in my own digital presence is, you know, some people will joke and say, you really tweet about it all, Amanda. Um, and that's what I like to do because I tell people, you know, my Twitter is an extension of my whole self. I know in Twitter, for example, some people tend to have a private account for their personal life, and then they tend to have another account for more of their corporate or work-related items. For me, it's all in the mix. So, you know, one day maybe I'm talking about change management. One day maybe I'm talking about personal branding and creating a digital reputation. And then the other day you may see a stellar recipe that I just conquered and I want to share it out um, to my audience. And, and that humanizes me to others and makes me relatable. And I think that 
that, among all other things, is really what drives some of the conversations that I've had is that I start to look relatable and I start to create a more inviting platform for people to connect with me um, and to create a seat at the table where people can say, well, she's not so different from the rest of us. And it's, it's less intimidating to create some of those conversations. I remember when I first started in my, in my federal public, public service career, a leader that, you know, had mentored me, who was my leader in the organization, um, she had told me that she appreciated that I would come in in the morning and say, hi, how are you? And just have a regular conversation because sometimes it did feel that there was a bit of a disconnect um, because people don't feel comfortable talking to leadership. It can be very nerve wracking. It can be very intimidating. And so to try to create opportunities where that is less so um, really, I think, is part of the goal of creating some of these social media channels and this digital presence is to demonstrate the different facets of yourself, not just the corporate facet, because they already see that in corporate emails and employee town halls. What they want to do is connect and have some real conversations with their leader to be able to maybe find opportunities to connect beyond work deliverables or work mandates. So I definitely think it's important for, you know, this is a long-winded response, but I definitely think it's important for, for leaders to use their online presence beyond simply uh, sharing corporate messaging and really dipping their toes into using it as a means to highlight the type of leader that they are, the type of projects and teams that they're leading um, in a tone that is their own. And I think that is key in a tone that is their own um, because it's very evident when it is not. That's a really interesting point. I feel like many leaders still approach social media as yet another corporate mouthpiece channel versus something that actually reveals the human behind the leader. And perhaps they don't appreciate that, that that's what people want to see, the human. They can get that other that corporate stuff. They can get that elsewhere. Keep social social, I suppose. But I also respect that you know we all have different comfort levels here. Yes, you know some leaders may not understand the power of these human stories online and therefore really just stick to the script they're given. But I've no doubt there are other leaders who simply may not be comfortable with this level of authenticity and, and vulnerability online. Do leaders today, and I think particularly those leaders in the public service, do they have the knowledge and, and context that they need around why human stories matter? You know, why effective social media engagement looks different to other channels that they're used to? And are they being equipped with the skills they need to feel comfortable, you know, sharing more about themselves in the accessible public environment of social media? Or should we be spending more time coaching them on this? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And and what I would say is I definitely think there is a divide in, in terms of maybe, you know, more senior leadership and the old way of doing things and some of the new leadership coming up the ranks. And what I mean by that is I think back in the day in general, whether public service or, you know, corporate Canada or, you know, wherever you want to look in terms of sector, I think, you know, work was a place for professionalism. You just went to work and you simply did your job. You talked about work and, and that was it. You didn't really dive in beyond just what you were experiencing in the workplace. And I think over the years that has certainly evolved and especially evolved, especially when we look at, you know, mental health in the workplace and 
craving a little bit more of that candidness and vulnerability from leaders um, to make others, you know, feel more comfortable in speaking up about whatever they may be going through. And so I think there is a need to train in that area 100%. I think there's a difference between being empathetic. You know, I think there's a lot of empathetic leaders, don't get me wrong. But I think it's when we can start to share um relatable experiences that we create a different type of conversation instead of saying just I hear you it's more of a I hear you and you know here's what I went through and maybe you can relate to something and this is how I've overcome it you know especially as a woman in the federal public service I definitely appreciate seeing you know senior leaders talk about their journey um, you know with motherhood that's this is something that I tweet about a lot and I'm at that juncture right now in my career where I want to start my family and for a lot of women especially in my age group when you kind of hit that point it's, it's a little bit scary and you're kind of like oh my gosh I've spent all these years building my reputation and building this work experience and suddenly I'm going to take a year break from that and how will I navigate that and to have women and senior leaders speak about that is really reassuring to say, like, don't worry, your career doesn't end and, you know, you will jump back in and things will continue. Um, I remember myself when I worked um, at the Treasury Board Secretariat, we had a guest speaker that came in, another senior federal leader, and he told the story um, around mental health, his own mental health journey. And he opened up and talked about how, yes, climbing up the ranks, you know, that's kind of how our class of classification system, you know, pivots one, one against the other is you keep growing and growing and growing until hopefully one day you're deputy minister. Um, but it doesn't tell you all about the sacrifice or struggle or late nights. Um, and that leader opened up, you know, this wasn't on a digital medium. It was in person at the time at a networking event and, and had shared the sacrifice of, you know, missing his children's ballet recitals or missing the soccer games or missing some of the birthdays or having to work extremely late and the, you know, the pain that created in his own family life. Um, and it was, it was interesting to say the least, to be able to see that vulnerability come from a leader. Um, you know, fast forward a few years later, you know, I talk about my mental health and I talk about mental health as a champion in the federal public service and outside on Twitter. And I remember there was a leader in the federal public service who told me that if I kept that up, I would never be an executive in the federal public service, that, that I'm oversharing and, and that's, you know, eroding my ability to show that I could be a strong leader. Um, and I think that's why so many people have been silent in the past about their mental health and the things that they were going through because they never wanted to seem lesser than or they never wanted to appear that they were weaker than their colleagues for, you know, having anxiety or struggling through something or feeling extremely stressed because it was all these type A's battling it out. Um, and now you start to see people appreciate leaders like myself who actually do share that vulnerable side of themselves um, because now we are we are humanized. We are setting the stage and we're also creating a seat, whether it's in person or digitally, for more people to use their voice. And I think that's the beauty of you know social media is that regardless of level now, I know people that are way junior than a deputy minister, and they're doing a phenomenal job at establishing a digital reputation for themselves and really driving important conversations, whether it be on accessibility or discrimination. Um, those to me are real, are real leaders. And the difference is they're the ones really creating that digital presence for themselves and driving the conversations where they're already being had. It's such an important point to make, isn't it? That when we talk about leading <clears throat> and leaders, it's not necessarily the people who are sitting at the at the most senior levels of bureaucracy. 
it, it, it runs through any organization. Anyone can have a voice and anyone can not necessarily have to feel they need to be vulnerable, but be okay doing so. And that that does set an example for others. We talk about this concept of intimacy at scale, and that's what you can do through a digital environment. That example you share of the leader sharing his story through uh, in, a, in a kind of um, physical environment taking the, the essence of that, taking the strength of that and the power of that message in the sense that it does connect with so many other people and says, this is the reality. I'm not trying to sugarcoat this. I'm not trying to make it look manufactured and artificial and, and make it look all shiny and new. This is the truth. And I think that vulnerability can be shared digitally. That intimacy can be shared at scale in a way that, that just simply cannot be replicated in the offline world. And it's such a good example to set and it's such a good um, a principle to have not just at the most senior levels of leadership but to empower others through the workforce to feel that same level of comfort and safety. I love that. I uh, I love Brene Brown. If you haven't read any of her books, phenomenal. Um, but she she dives into a little bit what you're saying and, and talks about sharing with purpose as well. Um, and you know, there's a difference between going online and venting and going online and sharing maybe a little bit more deeply because it's purpose driven. You're trying to reach you know a goal or a conclusion or draw people in. Um, you know, there are days too. You know, I'm I'm a manager and sometimes. I'm frustrated and I, I can't vent up because maybe I'm frustrated with the up and I can't, you know, vent down because I don't want to create that environment or share that stress with my team. So I'm stuck just venting alone, you know, with my with my at home coworker, which is my dog. Um, so, you know, there's a there's a there's a line I have to consider in what I share. And, and you know, talking about sharing with purpose is really important because that's what kind of sets the stage for leaders online. It's not every day going online and sharing your vulnerabilities or X, Y, and Z. It's sharing them when they can have an impact and, and perhaps drive something a little bit further that otherwise would have been at a standstill had you not, or maybe would have been missing out on your perspective had you not. And I think the key element here is around authenticity because it's not vulnerable for vulnerability's sake. It's, as you say, purposeful, sharing purposeful stories. And I think also uh, for, for maybe some a word of caution to some people who are thinking about this and, and maybe looking at the examples that they do see on LinkedIn or Twitter or other platforms and they're going, so if I replicate this or if I mimic this, I'm going to get a good result. I'm going to achieve reach and awareness and whatever. A word of caution there to make sure that, as you're saying, Amanda, it comes from a place of authenticity because when it does, you're far less likely to experience the, the sorts of risks that come with uh, trying to doctor an algorithm and trying to be pop or get the popular message out there and you know go viral, as, as people used to talk about. So who... Who then is a good example of this? Who, who in your experience, and look, public or private sector, um, it doesn't really matter. I think we can learn from all domains. Is there someone that stands out to you as a good example of a leader being authentic, sharing these stories, having those those vulnerable moments, but as you say, with purpose? Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I first started in the federal public service, I did not have Twitter. I was not, you know, I think I had LinkedIn. I didn't have Twitter. And I remember someone had said to me, oh, get on Twitter. A lot of public service conversations are happening there. And so I signed up to Twitter and I discovered a chat that was happening called Leaders GC. And at the helm of that chat was a leader named Nick Freight, um, who previously worked at the time at the Canadian Revenue Agency. And he was creating an online chat platform that would invite senior leaders to come in monthly and talk about something. And 
I always reference Nick um, as one of these leaders because he did it all. He really shared professionally about what was happening in the federal public service. He served as that ambassador for his organization, but also as a, you know, a platform for other uh, using Leaders GC for other organizations of what they were doing, giving that spotlight and and sharing things that he had learned through conversations online with other departments, um, but then also sharing his personal life. And that to me is is such a great example. And he kind of set the stage for me entering in this world. Um, and that's where it's that trifecta of work, home, uh, life balance that you're seeing online and you can see how authentic it is. There's so many great examples. It's hard to say others. His always sticks out to me just because he really helped, you know, mold me, if you will, into me getting online and having that similar presence where I didn't feel afraid to share different parts of myself. And I think that's a really easy thing to point at uh, online when you're seeing it done well. Um, I think I mentioned too, you know, I follow things outside of government and an example I love and I I follow him often is one of the leaders at Shopify um, and he's on LinkedIn and he's sharing things and he's sharing not only about his organization, but he's resharing things from people in his organization. Um, And he's also sharing things behind the scene and what they're working on. And that to me is really what social media presence and that digital reputation is all about is trying to harness not only the voice of your organization, but translating it into your own voice that can maybe be more understandable and relatable to others. Because, you know, you'll see it online. Sometimes a leader may tweet something um, and an organization may tweet something. And when it's done right, there'll be the same message, but differently, you know, crafted. Um, And some may have, you know, a lot of reach and then others will have a lot of reach. And it's typically the leader who talks about it that gets more of that drive um, because it's done in such a way that's really inviting people in. Um, And and that's, you know, the type of leadership, at least that I strive to to create in my own presence. What a wonderful way to summarize the the essence of digital reputation. Honestly, you, you've you've captured it beautifully. And, and thank you for those examples too, Amanda. I, I think, you know, this conversation has been, for me, a reflection of your own journey in the sense that it's really, really practical, helpful advice. The, the, the wisdom that you shared with those listening today is just so valuable. And it's also got elements of your personal story too. And it does have elements of that vulnerability in your own journey of discovery and, and, and finding your voice as well. And I think that's a really important thing for people to take away from today. Yes, the practical advice, but the fact that you're living and breathing this, not only in your LinkedIn posts and your Twitter posts, but even in a conversation like today. If, if people do have questions or encouragements from today's show, what's the best way for them to reach you? I'm assuming many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would say Twitter is probably my go-to, um, but also very active on LinkedIn. So on Twitter, you can find me at Amanda Bernardo, and you can also find me at LinkedIn under the same title. Um, you know, I always joke, I recently just got married and I'm at this point right now, do I change my last name? And I'm like, but no, everyone knows me as Amanda Bernardo. Um, so definitely you can reach out via those channels. And like I said, I do stand by my digital open policy and I love that these conversations can can open up other conversations with folks listening. So don't be afraid to reach out if you'd like to. Oh, and, and I'm an ambassador and advocate for your approach. So thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your time and insights with your digital reputation. Thanks so much for having me, Roger. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with others. 
for all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.